Support for this podcast comes from Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care is dedicated to addressing the unmet needs of practitioners and patients worldwide whose ocular challenges compromise not only vision, but quality of life. Their unmatched portfolio of specialty lens designs includes the following brands, Blanchard, GP Specialists, Number 7 Contact Lenses, Paragon, Procornia, and Soflex. Learn more at coopervisionspecialtyeyecare.com. The Globalized Podcast is brought to you by Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. The presenters are paid consultants. Hello, this is Dr. Melissa Barnett, Principal Optometrist at UC Davis Eye Center. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Globalize podcast series. Today, we're pleased to have Dr. Steve Vincent, Associate Professor of Academic Lead Research at Queensland Technical University School of Optometry and Vision Science in Australia. Thank you for joining us, Steve. Thanks for having me. In today's podcast, we're gonna talk about primary research on the relationship between corneal health and contact lenses from down under. This from a scientist renowned for the outstanding quality of his work and publications. We may also delve into what drives this passion for excellence. Let's get started. Steve, you are well known in academic circles as a specialist in corneal research. Please share a bit about your background, where you live and your career path. Sure. Um, Yeah, so I'm down under in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Um, and that's where I started my uh, optometry career. So I, it wasn't a straightforward path, I guess. So I started a chemistry degree, thinking I would be a teacher maybe, because both my parents were teachers. And then after a year of that, I realised it really wasn't for me. So um, I, I was doing a lot of maths and physics, and then optometry looked like a good fit, because there was a lot of, lot of maths and physics there. And... Um, a bit more human interaction, I guess. So I switched to optometry. And um, at the end of my degree, uh, I was quite interested in, in research, but I didn't know how to take that pathway. So um, I went down the clinical clinical pathway and I practiced in, uh, in Melbourne for a number of years. And then I saw an opportunity at the University of Melbourne to do some contact lens research as a very low-level research assistant, uh, which I thought would be interesting. So I jumped at that. And then after a few years there, decided that, yeah, that was really what I wanted to do. So I came back to back to Brisbane and pursued a PhD in the, in the lab um, where I currently work now, um, 15 years later. What an amazing story and path. I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many of those years and working with you too. Queensland Technical University has a School of Optometry and Vision Science. Please describe the curriculum and tell us a little bit more about the university. So our, uh, our optometry program is, well, when I studied, it was a, it was a four-year program. And now it's uh, for the last sort of 10 years or so, it's a five-year program um, where we have... Uh, It's a three-year bachelor degree, so Bachelor of Vision Science, so students come in um, typically straight out of high school, Um, one year of sort of basic science, and then another two years of optics and preclinical training, 
And then some students will exit there and pursue medicine or dentistry or some other path, not many, but some do. And then the remainder who um, want to go on and become optometrists, they'll do a two-year clinical master's. And that's where they really do all of their clinical training, um, primary care, contact lenses, uh, every, everything to be able to uh, register as, a, as an optometrist. So yeah, five-year program now, and our graduates um, finish with therapeutic endorsement, which is the, the main change in the last sort of decade or so. Um, and yeah, the program's been around since we, we had our 50-year reunion a few years ago. So um, that's the official university program since the 1960s, I guess. And then prior to that, um, optometrists in Queensland were trained sort of as an, as an apprentice model, I guess, before it became an official degree. Steve, you've published numerous publications on the effects of scleral lenses on the cornea. What areas remain the most challenging? You know, we, we've discussed interocular pressure, you know, endothelial cell health, oxygen requirements, limbal stem cells, so many different areas. Which of these are the most challenging for you and, and what do we have yet to learn? Um, well, I think oxygen, I think we've made some progress there, but there's still always some um, cases that are very challenging. And um, I saw one on a Facebook group, if I can mention that, Tom, the group you, and Melissa, the group you curate, the uh, scleral lens practitioners. There was one just a few days ago about um, uh, a post-graft patient with severe neovascularization and how best to, how best to manage that, um, even after you've done all the, the right things, lens modifications, reducing the uh, the fluid reservoir thickness. Um, so yeah, I think we're, there's still room for improvement there in terms of, um, you know, what other things can we do to the lens? Do we fenestrate, add channels? Do we do we add um, an agent into the into the reservoir? So uh, an anti-VEGF or something like that. So I think there's still there's still things to learn in terms of oxygen in the cornea. Um, but other things that I think are really need to be solved still is the midday fogging, which um, I don't know if I'll solve that one. Maybe uh, maybe Maria in Houston is working on that. She can she can take the lead on that one. <laughs> and um, I think the the front surface optics is is really exciting, um, and the, the guys in Houston are doing great work there as well. So um, I'm looking forward to see what what everyone else does in the next ten years. The midday fogging is an issue that never goes away. In fact, I'm uh, going on Friday to uh, assist with a patient with a local optometrist who uh, has issues with it, and I'm going to try to help him out. So uh, that is, that's, that's something that all, all scleral lens practitioners face at one time or the other. And, and you brought up channels and fenestrations and, and the fitting philosophy. I think that really is the future. Those are tools that we utilize to really help in those fragile graft patients, those who have neovascularization, those that have very complicated corneas. And I look forward to many more companies embracing these technologies in the near future. Support for this podcast comes from Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. 
Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care brings an impressive portfolio of life-changing specialty lenses to ECPs across the globe, empowering them to differentiate themselves while positively impacting the lives of their patients. You'll find a comprehensive collection of advanced scleral, Ortho-K, and RGP lens designs from the highly respected brands that now comprise Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care. Products include OneFit, IC, Paragon CRT, Dreamlight, Senso, and so many more, all of which are backed by the promise of continuous innovation, best-in-class service, and a refreshing perspective to solve unique and challenging vision issues with a customer-first perspective. Let Cooper Vision Specialty Eye Care lead you on a journey of changing patients' lives and improving practice profitability. Learn more at coopervisionspecialtyeyecare.com. So which courses do you teach at the university and how many postdocs are under your direction? So teaching, um, yeah, I've, obviously I teach a lot of contact lens. Um, so in, this is year, year four of our program is uh, sort of the main area that I teach, which is um, didactic and practical contact lenses. Um, so softs and rigids. And then in the second semester, um, we have specialty lenses. So ortho K, sclerals, hybrids, and, and what have you. And I also teach uh, low vision rehabilitation. So managing, managing patients with um, impaired vision, whether that's through contact lenses or, or other optical or non-optical aids. So that's my, uh, that's my main teaching areas. I teach a little bit of eye disease as well. That's in year three. Um, and in terms of postdocs, so research, yeah, um, I always have one sort of undergraduate or master's um, student group doing a project in the lab. So there's about five or six students in that group. And then uh, currently in terms of PhD students, I have, uh, I have one PhD student at QUT working on um, anterior segment OCT image analysis, so how to simplify that for practitioners, and a student in Hong Kong working on um, uh, new lens designs for ortho-K for high myopia, um, and that's a, that's a, a long-term clinical trial. That's fantastic. What, what do you enjoy most about working within this academic community? Um, yeah, well, I love the freedom. So I love, um, I, I guess I really like the, the process where you can um, come up with an idea and sort of read up on it, do some pilot studies, and then maybe go to a full-blown study and, and try and solve it, and then publish it and share it with, with people in the community who are, are interested in that. Um, so yeah, I like that process. You can kind of explore things as, as far as you're willing to take them. Um, and I, I like working with other people. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I, if I was just still in my optometry practice, um, in a clinical role, I, I wouldn't have the opportunity to work with people all around the world, which I've, which I've done and I've published with, with both of you. Um, so yeah, stuff like that, opportunities like that would, would never have happened for me. I think if I, if I just stayed in a, a, a clinical path. So yeah, it's, it's really opened, um, a lot of collaborative opportunities for me. And with that collaboration, how in the world do you have time 
to publish so much. It seems like <laughs> I'm always seeing your name every time I open PubMed. Um, yeah, you work with a lot of people, I think, is the answer. Yeah, you have to collaborate. There's there's no way I um, I could do it all on my own. Um, so, yeah, we, we have a great team of, um, you know, PhD students, practitioners who are uh, willing to collaborate. Um, yeah, just finding finding the right people who are happy to work with you, and that makes my life a lot easier. I, I agree with Melissa that uh, you can't open a journal without seeing something from uh, QET and, and Dr. Stephen Vincent. Um, do, you, do you have any idea how many uh, publications you have to date? I do because I looked at it yesterday. <laughs> um, it's uh, 130. That's very fantastic. And, and very good publications, I Excellent might add. Always groundbreaking, Stephen. Always. Well, we, we just hope that they are uh, translatable and cl clinically relevant, I guess, is the, is the goal. <laughs> Oh, is that is, is that a, a veined invitation to a, a certain meeting where? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, clinically relevant and useful. I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I think that's that's probably the goal of most most um, health researchers. I think they um, they want to have practical outcomes for for practitioners because deep deep down they are they are practitioners. I think. <laughs> Steve, do you have a particular philosophy or belief system that guides you? Uh, I would say not. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I like. I have a few. Um, a few sort of sayings that I that I like, and um, and may have subconsciously guided me over the years. There, there is a saying. Um, and this is uh, Richard Feynman, the uh, the famous physicist, who in Australia we would call a, a, a smart ass, I think. Um, but I, I enjoy his. Uh, he has a lot of very wise, obviously. But his his saying that I enjoy the most is, um, "You you are here to change continuously." I think the full the full saying is. Um, you have you have no responsibility to be who you were one year ago, one month ago, or one hour ago. Um, so you you are here to change continuously, and I think that's that's kind of um, kind of guided me over the years. I think you know changing changing career path, um, changing research topics, sort of just just guiding certainly my career. Um, but yeah, how I how I have looked at life, I guess, and um, uh, trying to understand my life once I had kids, basically, that, that really helped me a lot. You, uh, you're meant to change. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy uh, reading physics as well, Stephen, and uh, your quote from uh, Feynman reminds me of a book by Freeman Dyson, who was involved in, you know, early, a lot of physics uh, innovation and his his autobiography is called Disturbing the Universe, and I I think that's very very catchy. You know, we're all kind of disturbing the universe uh, in our own way, and and hopefully uh, for the benefit of our patients and and humanity as a whole. Steve, we always have a question that we ask on Globalize, and I know it's a kind of a tough one. The world is full of many fascinating places. If you could travel anywhere in the world today, where would it be? Yeah. Um, 
Well, there's a lot of places I'd like to go to right now in terms of um, conferences and things. But uh, yeah, I would, I would love to get back to uh, to the states. Um, my my eldest kid is just getting to the stage of um, a lot of curiosity around um, Disneyland. So I think uh, a trip back to the states would be fantastic. Um, and closer to home, maybe maybe just a trip to New Zealand would be would be nice. That's um, uh, our neighbour in next to Australia, and uh, yeah, that's what my my wife and I went there for our honeymoon many years ago, and haven't been back since. So we would uh, we would really like to go there. Maybe that's the next one. Two great options. I hear New Zealand is beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. You I've been to Australia, but not New Zealand. Well, Dr. Vincent, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you so much for being here. And thanks to our listeners for joining today's podcast. We hope you'll tune back in for future episodes of the Globalize with Melissa Barnett and Tom Arnold podcast series. Thank you.